0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Old Chick no Snow podcast. We are recording this uh, episode in May of 2020, and we are in the middle of COVID-19 with all living in stay-at-home orders and social isolation, so super interesting times. And I'm super excited to have this guest with me because we're going to be talking about a topic that I think is especially relevant right now, and that is grief. And today I want to talk about grief in the context of obviously, you know, losing somebody important in your life or losing somebody in your life because that's, there's a lot of that happening in the world right now. But I also want to talk about grief to put from the perspective of, any kind of a loss. And I think all of us who are under stay at home orders right now are experiencing loss on some level. So change plans, not being able to see loved ones, you know, events being canceled, all kinds of things. And I just feel like this is a super relevant topic. So I'm super excited to have with me, um, Michelle Anhang. Who is a certified professional coach supporting individuals and families with mental health issues and specifically uh, around grief. So she works with families who have experienced loss of some kind. And Michelle has her own story of loss, which we will absolutely get into and how she came to, after a 20-year career in law and finance, ended up on this uh, on this path. So welcome, Michelle.
1: Happy to have you with me today. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here.
0: So tell us a little bit about your own story around loss and grief and how you came to doing what it is that you do in the world today.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, 14 years ago, I lost my husband to suicide he had um, suffered from bipolar disorder um, unfortunately and you know we medication all, all of that didn't work for him and um, unfortunately uh, he lost his life when he died the family bided to say that he died in an accident because of the shame and the stigma around mental health issues and suicide So for 10 years, a little more than 10 years, I told everybody that my husband died in an accident. And so that's, you know, going through this journey of holding the secret you know, seeing what that secret cost me in my life and then my healing journey through that and beyond, you know, helped me see that, you know, I was I was meant to be a coach. I think I was always meant to be a coach uh, before going into law and finance. I got my bachelor's in psychology and kind of veered away from it thinking I didn't want to be a therapist. And yeah, so I feel like this is just kind of a returning to who I always was. Uh, but now with, with a unique perspective and life experience that just supports me, you know, with, the, with the people that I am meant to serve.
0: Yeah, that's it's amazing how we always end up coming back to our truth and to our purpose, and like no matter how hard we try, try and get away from it, life has a way of kind of <laughs> pushing us back <laughs> onto the path. So,
1: yeah. <laughs> so, um, yes. Thank um, goodness for that. <laughs> yeah, thank, thank goodness for that.
0: Is right. And, um, <laughs> I think that's especially true when we kind of reach this midlife stage where you know we've been playing all the roles and doing all the things, and then there comes a point in our lives where we're like. Okay, I need to be doing what feels meaningful for me. You know, like figuring out what yeah. my purpose is. So thankful for for you for figuring out your purpose when you did. <laughs>
1: so tell thank you
0: about what it was like, kind of navigating through uh, the loss of your husband and kind of what what that looked like for you, because you are yeah. at
1: that point, like working in law or fin- finance or is that I. I was yeah freelancing in law at the time I had not started in finance just yet, um, that came two years later but i was I was thirty four we had two little boys, they were seven and four at the time and i didn't see it coming it was it was a complete shock it was totally devastating obviously you know it was one of those things you know it's it's ironic because my husband smoked two packs of cigarettes a day and i used to bug him and say like you're going to die of cancer you know you have to quit smoking and you know the irony is that he did not die of cancer but it's you know the the journey it was it was devastating and shocking at that time, you know, and then adding to it as well this secret I I needed to to keep. And well, you know, and and I chose as well. I I chose to accept that story. So I will take ownership for that. But, you know, it definitely all of that impacted my grieving process. You know, I I sort of had this idea that you know, okay, life goes on. I need to be there for my kids. I need to now be both parents. I'm the sole provider. I need to just keep going. And so I just took a lot of my emotions and just stuffed them as far down as they would go so that I, I could keep going. And I was pretty much on autopilot all that time. And, you know, saying that my husband died in an accident as opposed to the, the real way that he died, you know, the the grieving for those two losses are very different. And so I didn't allow myself the opportunity to fully grieve a suicide. There are so many different emotions um, there. There's a lot of guilt that, you know, what could I have done differently? What did I miss? You know, you know, all, all of the whole picture, like, you know, even, you know, everybody in the family kind of felt that, you know, from his parents to like, you know, how, How, you know, could we have done anything differently? How could we have helped him? Did we, you know, all of us had the questions and we just kind of stuffed them all Mm -hmm. and didn't fully grieve it and didn't give ourselves that opportunity to heal from it either. So I, you know, a process that probably would have taken less than 10 years for me to go through became extended because I, I never permitted myself to grieve.
0: So, this is a story I hear a lot where we don't give ourselves permission to grieve. And I think, you know, and tell me if you think this is true. I think as a society, we have a certain acceptable period of time to grieve. And then it's like, okay, you put it in a box, you put it on the shelf, you got to get back to normal, get back into life. And you know, grief has no timeline. It comes when it comes, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't care about what's going on in the rest of your life. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and so why, like, why is it that as a society, we are so uncomfortable with with
1: grieving, do you think? Yeah, I have a a couple of thoughts on that. One is... Yeah, I guess they're, they're tied together. So, you know, there's something about our culture that really values strength. And you're so strong and look at how, you know, strong you are through this experience and how well you're dealing with things. You know, we, we really value that. We don't value people just completely, you know, falling apart, <laughs> for, for lack of better terms. But that's really what it is. And, you know, and that's what I learned about grief, that, that it's a surrender, you know, to allow ourselves to fully grieve is letting go of any control over that emotion and just letting the tears come, letting what however it needs to emerge to emerge whenever it needs to emerge. But it's, it's a surrendering. And, you know, in, in a culture that, <clears throat> excuse me, that value strength and purpose and knowing what you're doing and being put together, there's very little room for that. And there's judgment around it. Yeah.
0: And I guess that's true really of any emotion. Like as a society, as a culture, we're not comfortable with expressing any emotion really. And grief is probably the most, the biggest, most all-consuming emotion there is. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's so interesting because, uh, and you and I, I think I've talked about this before, like the whole concept of, you know, some ancient tribes who, you know, when when a woman would lose her husband or was like suffering kind of some kind of loss, they would put her in a hut and like her only job was to grieve that loss and somebody would take care of her family and somebody would bring her food and, right, that was all she had to do and she didn't emerge yeah. from the hut until she was ready to emerge from the hut and- yeah you know and they talked about part of it as grief being like literally burning yourself to the ground and emerging as a new person because you're not the same as when you before grief hit you yeah i don't know when and, I read that i just thought that was so beautiful
1: it it is beautiful and and uh, i i wish we could we could do that um, i'm i'm jewish and we have um, the tradition of sitting shiva but that's only 7 days you know there's 7 very important days but then on the seventh day, it's like, okay, you, the expectation is that you get up and you re, re-enter re the world. And... You know, and, and it's it, it's ironic because, um, you know, mentioning I have the two my two little boys. And so my older son, who was seven at the time, the day that we got up from Shiva, we, you know, you walk down the block or walk around the block and come back as, as like symbolic of your re-entry into the world. And so I had done that and came back inside my house and I got a call from my son's school that he had gone down the slide in the playground, but the bottom of the slide was wet. So he needed a change of clothes <laughs> because he was soaking wet. And I'm laughing and I'm like, okay. There you go, life goes on. And it was like, okay, put the mom hat back on. I've got to go take care of my son who's in grade one. And it's like, you know, and that kind of set set the stage for me for what the next number of years were gonna look like of like, okay, I was given this little box of time for my grief. And now the expectation is continue and keep going. And, you know, and, and there is something about that, you know, that while everybody was extremely supportive during that time, there does come a time where people are kind of like, okay, are, are they over it yet? Why? And if not, then why aren't they over it yet? And, and I, I know that, you know, it, it doesn't come from a bad place <laughs> it's you know it comes more from our own discomfort because none of us allow ourselves that but it's very much there you know and and you know everybody kind of wanted to move past that period into something different you know even you know my friends who were all married at the time were like you know you'll start dating again soon you'll find a new husband soon like you know let's let's go to that place <laughs> you know and not be with what was really there. And so, you know, whatever grieving I was doing was very much in private, you know, and I, you know, saw it as kind of, you know, I wore it as a badge of honor as well. Like, well, I'm a private person. I don't need to be walking around the grocery store bawling my eyes out. So, you know, I put on my makeup and I did my hair and I went out proudly and, you know, pushing the cart around, but inside I was completely broken. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's living a, du- a double life.
0: Yeah, and I remember a very good friend of mine who lost her husband in an accident and her saying to me that, you know, for the first couple of weeks after her husband died, you know, there were so many people and they lived in a kind of a remote place, but there were so many people who showed up all the time to like cut the grass and to, you know, do this and to do that and like take care of handy jobs around the house. And then she's like, it was literally just like one day, all of a sudden it just stopped. Yes. Like, but I'm still like a wreck. I cannot pull myself off the couch, and now I have to try and like force myself to do all these things. So, it's just like there's this window, like you said, like a window of time that's yeah really acceptable, but grief doesn't yeah. know that our emotions don't know that like no. our bodies no. know that and yeah. It's, it's like, and what do we do? Like, so you still have all of this emotion. Like, what do you do with it all when you have to then and put on
1: a faith and go back into the real world? Like, what do you do, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, well, you yeah, know, we're, we're conditioned to stuff it. And, and we think, like, we've got it under control, and we don't always realize that it ends up leaking out in, in so many ways <laughs> and at different times that, you know, may may not necessarily be acceptable or appropriate times and and i definitely found that for myself and for my process you know once i started realizing what you know everything that i was carrying and the impact that it was having on me you know in in my own Healing journey and going through therapy, I realized at one point, you know, and and it was, it was about 10 years after that, wow, I didn't grieve this properly. And I knew that I needed to give myself that time and space, um, you know, with, with the support of my therapist, who I'm so grateful for, where I just knew like, okay, I just need, I need to cry. I need to grieve. And one, very big thing that I I learned about grief is that, you know, you, you might decide or it just might happen that you're grieving one thing. But really, I think grief is about all of our losses. And that's why it's so big. It's like, you know, yes, I was grieving the loss of my husband, and I was grieving every other loss that I experienced in my life at the same time. Like grief doesn't necessarily attach itself to a story of like, okay, let's, let's, package this neatly (laughs) and so that is so true like giving ourselves permission to
0: grieve all the things like all the losses like every loss has grief associated with it and we tend to try and put them in some kind of rank order you know and yes (laughs) You know, talking to a client who is, you know, talking about the end of a relationship and, you know, she's saying, well, it's not like somebody died or something, like saying like that was the thing that would allow her to have permission to grieve, but it's all of these losses and it doesn't matter how big or small it is and it doesn't matter yeah. what big or small our reaction is, it's still grief that we need to honor. And like you said, often it's collective, right? Yeah you know, I'm grieving this, the end of a relationship, but I'm also grieving, you know, the job that I lost, the, you know, this, that, and the other, the thing didn't happen, the best friend, whatever it could be. And it all comes up together, right? It all, yeah,
1: yes. It all comes up together. And there's so many different layers to it too. I mean, you know, for me, it was the loss of my husband and, you know, what our marriage could have looked like, you know, mm. my children losing their father. I was grieving for them, a loss that they couldn't even comprehend yet. You know, grieving dreams, grieving the loss of my identity. I was married to him since I was 22. We've been together since I, you know, from the I was we were 18 at the when we met, so. And he was all I knew. (laughs) And so it was like, okay, now who am I as a single person? You know, I've been at 34, I was married already for 12 years. And so now it's like, okay, now I'm, you know, going through life on my own. What does that look like? Who am I? Now I'm a single mom, you know, an only parent. (laughs) And so many things of, you know, just really grieving who I thought I was, what my expectations were of life, what my dreams were, all of that was gone and all of that needed to be expressed. And so, you know, going back to, um, sorry, were you going to say something?
0: No, no, go ahead. Continue. Um, no, I was just going to say, I think it's really interesting that you mentioned grieving the loss of an identity because that's another piece. Like as we go through life and our identity shift, and especially kind of when we get to midlife, you know, we often are, you know, could be grieving, you know, longer, no longer being, you know, an everyday, an active mother, right? Our kids, our kids have left home. Like that's a shift in identity. You know, if a relationship ends or a job changes, right, we no longer have our job title, you know, like you said, maybe you're no longer married and like grieving, allowing ourselves to grieve the identity that we were as we step into the new identity. So there's this fallacy, I think that as we're stepping forward, we're supposed to be all joy and bliss and oh, look at all the great new things that are happening. But yet so and and in that we don't allow ourselves to grieve the closing of the previous chapter. And that one I think is so important because, you know, we can hold two truths. We can be excited about the future and sad about the past and hold both of those in equal measure. And I feel like we've made it black and white. You can be one or the other when the reality is you can hold the truth of both.
1: Yeah. And we invalidate the loss of like, well, you know, but you're but you're stepping into something so great so why would you focus on what you've lost like why look back just look forward and it's such a disservice to ourselves when we do that you know and i realized for myself that i could only move forward so much until i healed from my past And so, you know, when I went through the process with my therapist during the eight months, I was like, okay, I just, I have to let it all go. I have to grieve everything. And so I gave myself permission to just let go. And I I had told my kids who were early teens, mid teens at the time, listen, it's, you're going to see me crying a lot. But I realized this is something that I need to do for for me to move forward in my life because I was still really just so stuck and so paralyzed and really numbed out. Because I hadn't felt so eight months. It it took me of, you know, crying every single day. And I would go to work and be sitting at my desk and feel the tears coming up and go to the bathroom, have a cry, wipe my face, go back to work, and then go home every day and just crawl into bed and cry. My kids would go and pick up pizza or whatever it was for dinner. And it was the greatest gift I ever gave myself. Because, yeah, it was really clearing so much heaviness that I was I was carrying, you know, and, and we had talked about it before that, you know, it, it's like we carry this backpack around of of our sadness and our grief and, and the weight and the shame and all of that. And, you know, just letting ourselves put it down mm. is really so liberating. And we all deserve that.
0: Yeah. And I think we too, we we don't even realize we're carrying it after a while, right? Like you just get so used yeah. to wait until you put it down and then you're like, oh my God, it feels so free. So how like so before you allowed yourself to go through this mm-hmm. process of you know really grieving it, how how was all that unexpressed grief showing up in your life? Like how was it impacting your life, would you say?
1: <laughs> how did it not impact my life, I think? Okay. <laughs> it's, it's <a> good, <laughs> you know, it was the tears would come out at the weirdest times. And and sometimes, you know, I, I could be in a business meeting and somebody could say something and it would just, you know, trigger something in me and I would just have to leave because I was crying. You know, I'd be watching movies and it didn't even have to be a sad movie and something would just make me cry. <laughs> and, you know, and, you know it, it was, you know, it would come out with anger as well, you know, because in some ways, anger is almost is more acceptable because we feel a little bit more in power when Mm -hmm. we're angry. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a very different energy as opposed to the surrender of grief and you know, the loss of control when we're in the throes of it. So yeah, you know, the definitely I I would be, you know, short tempered, you know, it wasn't pretty. (laughs) It's not a pretty, pretty scene. And a lot of numbing, a lot of numbing. Yeah. You know, my, my therapist had said to me that, you know, the deeper that you're able to go into grief, the greater you're able to go into joy. You know, and that's the thing, it's, it's expanding that range of emotion that when we let ourselves move into either area, we're then expanding our range like overall.
0: Yeah. You can't numb one without numbing the other. Yeah. Exactly. And I love that you refer to the the process of grieving as surrender, because this is another thing where I think we as a collective do not allow ourselves to surrender. Like we have to be being doing controlling, manipulating as opposed to just like letting what happens happen. Like somehow there's weakness in, in allowing things to happen to you. And like, you know, we would get over things a lot faster, everything a lot faster if we just surrendered and then we could move yes. on, as opposed to trying to fight and control it. And like you said, you know, it took you 10 years to get to that point, <laughs> you know, and it's, it, yeah. I mean, it's the same in my experience, like after years and years and years of like numbing my all, my feelings about all kinds of things, ending up in a yoga class one time and, you know, in a meditation class. and halfway through the meditation, I start crying. I have no idea why I'm crying. I'm just crying and crying. And then I don't know why, but I signed up for eight more weeks of that. And then, <laughs> then I went there and I got on my mat and you know, the teacher would come over and bring me the box of Kleenex and I would spend 90 minutes crying with no idea, like literally losing my mind. I have no idea what's coming up. I'm just like, okay, I'm gonna cry. And you know, I didn't yeah. really think I was, I, was, I was cracking up. I was like, okay, I'm seriously losing it. But in hindsight, it was the best thing that ever happened to me to have that space, like that ninety minutes once a week for eight weeks, (laughs) nine weeks, right? To literally never have given myself ninety minutes to lie in my bed and cry. But yet I've You know, it was the most bizarre thing because yeah. of, like this compulsion that like, I had never meditated before. I was on a business trip. I ended up taking a standby flight home so that I could get to this class. I just was like, so compelled. And like, yeah. I said, in hindsight, allowing myself You know, I mean, that started the crying. The crying lasted for for probably two years. It's probably still going on today. (laughs) Just like surrendering to what needed to come out of me. Yeah. Without having to understand it, without having to justify it, and just like lie there on that mat and bawl my eyes out. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It
1: it was so powerful. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I love where, where, you know, the reference that you made to like feeling like you're losing it. And, you know, we, we feel like we're losing it or maybe we're going crazy or there's something and like there there's such a need to control. And you know, it's it's that whole letting ourselves have that permission because we really aren't in control of anything anyways. No. So just accept it and yeah, it's it's freeing. It it's is. so beautiful, like you were saying. Yeah,
0: it's bringing on so many levels. And and this is the and it's the thing like you were saying about the backpack, right? Like I didn't realize I was carrying all that stuff, and it was only when it started coming out where I was like, "Oh, hmm, hmm, this is interesting. I feel lighter. I feel lighter. I feel lighter." Yeah. But that was years and years, and like grief in there. Like there was grief of my probably like you know when my parents divorced when I was ten, and yeah, you know, leaving the only home I had ever known, and then you know me my own divorce. You know, like I like I couldn't yeah. even tell you all the things that were coming up. Yeah. That never had I allowed myself even as a child. You know, it was just like okay, keep going forward, keep moving forward. You know, dad, yeah. better. Look how exciting this new world is. Yeah. Right? You know? Yeah having that permission to stop and just yeah. like let it wash over us and I feel like the world would be a very different place if we we yeah. had that permission but it's
1: also very difficult yeah. for a
0: society that doesn't see value in that yeah
1: <laughs> and I, I see it I hear it I know I experience it like how many times you're thinking or you hear from somebody like I know I just need to have a good cry. And it's like, okay, so go and have one. Well, it's not the right time. And you know, or like we, we feel like we need to design the space. To allow for that to happen, like we're even trying to control that. That's like Like, that's good to do. I I don't have any time to Right, (laughs) right. Like it's getting in the way of things. Yeah, (laughs) and I just put my makeup on. (laughs) 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 Like maybe later (laughs) when (laughs) When my kids aren't home.
0: (laughs) Oh my God, it's so true. But even like, even today in the midst of everything that's going on in our world with COVID and, you know, just sheltering at home and the future. and I like I feel like there's this huge collective grief coming to the surface that people are managing in all different ways. Some people are doing puzzles and baking bread, you know. Other people are lying on the couch watching Netflix. But there yeah. is definitely grief, and you know, on different scales for sure. Like you could be grieving the birthday party that you didn't get to, or you know, the speaking event that you were looking to go into that didn't happen, yeah. didn't happen, or you know. There are even cases where people, you know, are, have lost a loved one in the process. So all different sizes and shapes of grief that still we have, yeah. we have to learn how to honor.
1: Yes. Yeah. They're all real. And we really move forward. Yeah. They're all real. They're all valid. And yeah, you you don't like, it's not that we have to earn the right to grieve, you know, like you were saying about your client who said, well, it's not like someone died. Like, you know, we're all in our own individual situations and our loss is still a loss to us. Yeah. And, and it's, it's all, you know, worthy of, of us expressing that. And there's no shame in allowing ourselves to have that.
0: Yeah. And, you know, our grief can come out in different ways for some people. It might be tears like you, and like you said, anger, frustration, yeah. you know, feeling the need to numb and keep yourself busy because there's, you can just feel something yeah. coming to the surface that you don't really want to look at. And so how do you, having gone through the experience that you have and in working with the families that you work with, how do you, how do you get people comfortable with the need to grieve? Like, how do you instruct them, and I'm saying that maybe not necessarily the right yeah. word, um, yeah. can you um, guide them, I guess, through this process.
1: Yeah. So I think we all recognize intellectually that we have a need to grieve. You know, we, we know it's there. You know, it's just what we decide to do with that. You know, so, so the work I do is a lot of, around acceptance of saying, you know, yes, you deserve... To be happy and you deserve to experience that grief. And you know, it, it doesn't have to be measured and it doesn't have to have a story attached to it. And it's it's not linear and it's, you know, there's nothing scientific about it. Like it's really like if you're suddenly feeling this urge to release the emotion, just let it come out. I mean, greet I, I was just hearing a podcast recently where they were saying like, Emotions are not good or bad. They're just emotions and they're a way for our body to express themselves. It's what we attach to the emotion. The like we're the ones who are deciding it's good or bad. So looking at changing your story around it, that if you're telling yourself like it's not okay, looking at saying like, actually, what if it is okay? You know, and what are the gifts in this? And and just accepting it's there. You know, we, we can... We can pretend as much as we want that it's not, but we know because the emotions are coming up, it's displaying. And if it doesn't come out emotionally, then it comes out physically and, you know, chronic illnesses. There are ways that our body is telling us that we're holding on to things that we need to let go of. And so it's really, you know, the greatest gift we can give ourselves towards self care um, is just honoring what our body is telling us, you know, by way of emotions or pain or anything along those lines, or even thoughts, like it could just be, you know, we're having these thoughts over and over that we can't let go of, you know, maybe ruminating in the grief. So it's it's going to show up, but the signs are always there. And it's just giving ourselves the permission of, you know, it's okay. And this is what I'm going through. And it doesn't matter what other people's opinions are, You know, they, they, everyone has their own stories, has their own ideas of what it can look like. And it's just honoring our own truth Mm. and, and giving ourselves what we know deep down we need. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's so important. Like honoring our truth right? Like to your point, it doesn't matter how big or small the loss is compared to somebody else's loss or compared to what society thinks is loss. It's like, if it feels like loss to us, it's loss. Therefore, yes. (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. that's, That's really, that's really powerful. And how, so we often hear about stages of grief, like this, I think it's seven, is it seven stages of grief or... Something
1: I, like that. Was it five? I don't know. I, I know there have been a cut. I know, I know it's changed a lot and then it was kind of thrown out and brought back. Oh, okay. And so, yeah, there's there's a lot going on with the stages.
0: So, regardless of how many stages or what, yeah. what like, I think there is no, and correct me if I'm wrong again, I think there is no linear order to stages in that and yeah. I think we were talking about before that you might experience sadness, grief, anger, frustration, like whatever comes up is completely good. Yeah.
1: yeah. So yeah, regarding the stages of grief, they're helpful when someone needs to, you know, kind of find their way through it. If it helps them feel better knowing and being able to articulate what stage they're in, but there's no specific timeline that works for any one person and there's no order. We, you know, and that was part of, you know, where, um, there was some confusion around the stages. People thought like, okay, this is the order we go in and then we're healed. It doesn't work like that.
0: (laughs) Right. So yet another way for us
1: to manipulate and control
0: (laughs) a process that really is what it is until it's done.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And you know, it is valid in the sense that we do experience those different stages. Sometimes we move very quickly through one and other time, you know, sometimes slowly through others and we jump around, but it's, again, it's just honoring that there's no right way to do it. Mm. It's, you know, you'll, you know, you'll grieve until one day you just wake up and realize like, okay, I, I don't feel like, I need to do this again. Right. You know, we know, and yeah. letting it happen.
0: And then I think, even then, um, and this is my experience, and correct me if you think it's wrong, it's wrong, but. You know, even when, okay, so maybe you're not grieving every day and you're not cr- cr- crying all the time, but it can come back in waves, right? Like where yeah. you're done with it and then all of a sudden somebody says something, you happen to smell a smell, see a thing, and then all of a sudden, like that wave of grief will just wash over you again. And, you know, yeah. it can happen for your entire life, right? Depending upon who you are and
1: what your experience was. Absolutely. Yeah, we and we don't know. And I know for me during um, you know, when when we first learned of COVID and all had to stay at home, I, I had my own grief coming up and you know, it was, you know, I was finding myself talking to my husband and asking him, like, you know, do do whatever you can from here and like help help the world help us. Yeah. And that was something I had never done before, but it was now a new way of like, oh, here I am having a conversation with my late husband. And then this grief coming up of like, wow, it's been 14 years since I've had a conversation with him and since I've spoken to him because I hadn't done that before. Mm -hmm. You know, I was experiencing it in different ways. And so absolutely, you know, milestones, things that happened with my kids, you know, loss, you know, I've I've had relationships since then. You know, when those relationships ended, there's, you know, there's grief then and it, it still comes back to, you know, the loss of my husband and every other loss of different ways as well. So yeah, it it just, it's a part of, of humanity. It's a part of the messiness of being human and, you know, it only serves us to really accept that that's part of us. Yeah.
0: It's so beautiful in a way, you know what I mean? That like that, that we can experience, I think what's beautiful is that we can experience the steps of emotion as uncomfortable as it is most of the time. I wouldn't even say some of the time, I would say most of the time, you know, but that we can experience things from, you know, like deep grief to, you know, overwhelming joy and the range that's in between that, right? And really, as humans, we are supposed to experience everything on that spectrum, not like, and everybody can see me, I'm holding my hands up, like a (laughs) small slice of that spectrum, right? Which is kind of socially acceptable. Like we need to go from guardrail to guardrail right? Yeah. Deep grief, you know, deep joy and everything yeah. in between. And there's something like inherently beautiful about our capacity as humans to be able to have that range of experience. And yes, such a disservice by yeah. chopping off the ends.
1: <laughs> yeah. And my experience has been that when I've allowed myself to go into the deep grief, it's created the space for deep gratitude because of, you know, knowing that I'm grieving something so deeply meant that I loved that deeply, meant that something really meant so much to me. And so there, there is so much beauty that can come out of that space, you know, what we might call ugly. <laughs> it's, there, there's so much beauty to be appreciated
0: yeah. In allowing that. Yeah. I mean, it's the law of polarity. Like, however, yeah. where you are on one side of the spectrum, you can be equally, you know, as far on the other side of the spectrum. But our job is yeah. to allow ourselves to experience it all. And, you know, yeah. and when we cut ourselves off, we, you know, are, you know, we might think we're safe and protected, but really what we're doing is just kind of dimming the light on our life. Yeah. Right. In yeah. so many ways. In so many ways. Yeah. Agreed. So, if you know somebody's listening and you know they're wanting to, you know, dig into their grief or like they know there's something mm. that they haven't allowed themselves to to grieve, like how would you counsel somebody on a place to start? Like, like what would you
1: say? I would say. Let yourself have that good cry. <laughs> That's the mm-hmm. first thing. Just start. Yeah. Start wherever it is, you know. And if if you need the prompting, go watch a you know, tearjerker. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I know there are times where it's like, okay, I know, I know that there, there's something I need to be crying about. I don't know what it is. And it doesn't really matter even. It's just, you know, so yeah, I'll go watch a movie that lets me have that good cry. And I always feel better after. And then, you yeah. know, it kind of, it, it opens the floodgates. And, and don't be afraid of the floodgates opening, you know, because the, it will run out. It will not go on forever. Mm-hmm. I know that's a big fear that we have of like, okay, well, once it happens, it's just never going to stop. That's not true. <laughs> yeah. It will stop.
0: And we don't trust ourselves to be able to manage what's going to come up. It's because like if I yeah. open the gate, like there's going to be, oh my God, God knows what's behind it. Right. And can I handle that? Yeah. And yeah. we just need to be able to trust ourselves to say, yeah. "There's behind this door that I'm opening up? I can do it. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Take the leap. And if if you find that it, it you're feeling that you're not in control, then reach out for support. Yeah. And help, have somebody there to talk to.
0: Yeah, actually, that's another really good point because we do tend to think we need to do everything alone and reaching yeah. out to have a conversation or to talk to a therapist or, you know, a best friend, you know, just to say, here's what I'm feeling right now. Even that in itself yeah. can be so yeah. hugely um, validating and helpful for you. Yes, right? yes,
1: and I, I completely agree. And I want to add too that when you're reaching out to people, be discerning about who you're reaching out to because you don't want to reach out to the friend who can't be with their own emotions that may want to shut it down <laughs> so it is important to choose somebody that you know you feel relatively confident that they can hold that space and they can just be present to you and that you can just communicate the, you know i'm okay i'm going through this i just want somebody with me yeah so yeah,
0: and I think there's power in like even giving voice to your grief, like to say I am sad about right. Like there's something about yes. like putting words into the world, right? Like taking your yes. head and giving it another place to live is incredibly powerful on so many levels for so many. Yes, weeks, right?
1: Yeah. Speak it, write it. I'm I'm a huge believer in journaling. Yes. Um, A lot of my healing has come from journaling. Nobody has ever had to see it, but I get to write, I'm sad about this and I'm sad about that. You know, Ah. what I'm angry about, what's not fair, you know, (laughs) whatever it is that that needed to come out, it's safe in the journal and, but it's out of us.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I am a huge proponent of, you know, giving this stuff in our head a place to live that's outside of our head because, you know, it's not doing us any good. It's basically just clogging up the works, right? Like it's easy to feel yeah. and, you know, yeah. like feeling impossible when, when your head is jammed up with all of this stuff. So letting it live somewhere else for a few minutes is yes. powerful, a powerful way to release. Yeah. Well, this has been an amazing conversation. Is there anything that we haven't covered about grief that you think is important for the listeners to hear?
1: I think we've covered everything that we were aiming to talk about. I mean, there's, there is so much. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah, you're right.
0: There is so much. Um, And if people want to find more about you and your work, uh, where can they find you? Obviously online.
1: Yes, I am pretty much everywhere on social media, um, Michelle and coaching. Uh, so Instagram, Facebook, my website is Michelle and Yes. Any of those spaces I'm thinking, what, where, what am I not remembering? But
0: <laughs> I know,
1: if you Google that, you'll, you'll find me pretty easily.
0: <laughs> yeah. And you do uh, an amazing thing on Facebook. What does you call it? Mental health Mondays?
1: Oh, yes. My Monday morning mental health moments. Mental health. Never. Um, yes. Yeah. That is an
0: amazing um, little thing. It's a, just a great way to get some perspective on a number of different topics that you cover um, on that one. So, um, yeah, check that one out on, and you can find her thank on you. Facebook. So, all right. Well, thank yes. you. I really appreciate this time and this conversation. And um, yeah, thanks everybody for listening. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Old Chicks No Shit podcast. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give is to share this podcast with a friend, subscribe, rate and review our podcast on iTunes or wherever it is that you listen in.